Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first overcome our internal self by focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. This podcast offers inspiration, strength, and hope through the tools of recovery, spirituality, and positive psychology. I started recoveryoursoul.net after having profound changes in my life in my recovery from alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share these tools with others through this podcast and personal coaching. Personal recovery does not need an addiction to use the tools and principles to better our lives and transform just the desire to make positive changes and grow. As an ordained minister, I continue to study and deepen my relationship with the spiritual principles that have brought me peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. Thank you so much for joining me today and choosing to spend your time here listening to this podcast. I am sitting here in my favorite location in the living room, and across from me is my sweet and wonderful husband. Aw. Aw. Thank you, wife. You're welcome. We're both in our spots. I'm kind of amazed. I'm in my favorite chair that I sit in every night. Got my legs up as usual, but then there's this boom mic in my face, so I I can do a podcast for you. It's pretty cool. I know I like as it. as time has gone on not only has our has our relationship gotten better but my recording process for podcast has gotten better too. You are evolving. It's, yes, I it's am. very cool. So now we each have our own microphones. It's so good. <laughs> so we've had really great responses from the podcast that Rich and I have done together. I just wanted to bring him back because there's been a lot of feedback and questions from people about sort of how we got here how we got here and why is it working so well? Because it is substantially, immensely, 365 degrees <laughs> better than it was not so long ago. And there's there's a, a lot of reasons why. There's a lot of reasons why. But we're also really treating each other very differently than we did because we've done a lot, a lot of internal work. I, I find... The idea of, of talking about this on this podcast to be kind of challenging because, like you said, there's a lot of reasons. So to to try to f- figure out how those steps kind of clicked, you know, one after the other and and built in and and improved things for us so much can can be tricky. But we're going to try it right here, aren't we? It probably won't be accomplished in the next half hour, but we can at least hit on some <laughs> major topics. Yeah. 
I would say first and foremost, the number one thing that has improved our relationship is our recovery from alcoholism. True that. That is number one. It just simply takes the edge off, takes the anxiety down about eight levels, 8,000 levels. Um, You just, there's less of a need to be right. There's more ability to, to be quiet and listen just in, yeah, just when you remove a, a stimulant like that. Is it a stimulant? I think it is. Alcohol. Sometimes it was a stimulant and sometimes it was a depressant. It kind of I think it starts as one and ends as as another. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you've listened to our episodes before, you know that we went through about 15 years of experimenting with trying to cut back and quitting for a while. And we did AA at one point and then didn't drink, but didn't do recovery. And it's not just about the not drinking. It's about this really digging into the spiritual journey. And if you look at that, there was uh, increased Mm self-awareness through all of those porpoising phases, you know, in and out and in and out and in and out. They all had a slightly different flavor and lesson that got us finally finally to a place of yeah you know life is so much better and i'm i'm i don't need it anymore and and yet you still have to be able to even though you don't need it and think you don't want it it's still hard to not have the trigger just have you take a sip yeah it have, definitely have a drink i mean we're three and a half over three and a half years I can definitely say that even though I would never go back to drinking because I want the life that we have now, the still tempting, still tempting, yep. still tempting. And it's, and, it's, it. and it's for us, it's alcohol. And for other people, it's sex or shopping or pot or TV or being on your phone all the time. It's whatever sort of checks you out and helps numb that, that, pain body and gives you an immediate endorphin rush. Um, and I have to say it's, it's some of the things that wrap around it in the case of drinking. I mean, just look out at any, any microbrew pub or restaurant and it is the community too. You, mm-hmm. when you stop drinking, you think, Oh my God, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to become a hermit antisocial. Um, won't have any friends anymore. And there's there's some challenges in there. You you find out the people you really want to be around, yeah. which is a plus. Um, and it really is doable to go out and have a great time. And I've discovered that I'm going to make a plug for Athletic Brewing Company. I've discovered a beer that is fantastic, and, an NA beer. and it's an yeah. NA beer. And, yeah, and we and brew. We make our boo- yeah, we, we make kombucha, kombucha, which some. Some real heavy hardcore AAers would say is not okay, but for us, we we really like it. It has that fizziness and a little bit of carbonation and fermentation. I don't find any trace of alcohol that I can Mm-mm. that I can sense from yeah. it, but that helps us. I think we really dug in this time to really want more. We wanted so much more. We had we had raised the kids. We had gone through this stuff. If you listen to the episode a couple back, that's team Harrison talks about life. That was such a great, honest conversation of the boys talking about being raised by alcoholics and also the hardships that they went through and how they appreciate 
where they are now and the lessons that they learned. And we separated for a period of time. And I think that this time in sobriety, we both really realized that if we didn't dig in this time, there wasn't going to be another chance. And trust me, for you people out there that listen to my wife, if, I mean, you've seen her picture, but you think I was going to let her go ever? There's no way. And I would have made, there's the emotion comes every time. Oh, so sweet. Oh, that was better. Um, I, I, you know, some people say they take a bullet for their son or their wife or whatever, or jump off a cliff. I was certainly willing to give up alcohol and try everything I possibly could to keep this beautiful woman. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. And it worked. It worked. That's the cool part. And she didn't even think it was going to work. She was stubborn, very stubborn and resistant and, and drinking hard and crazy and, and we we seesawed, you know. Sometimes you were drinking and wanting me not to, and the other way around, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, it was a ride. And it's not. I I continue to sort of come back to the piece that for me, it's not about the fact that we're not drinking. It's the fact that we really have both done the steps done the work. And that's part of what I really wanted to talk about and the, what's working for us, because I think that it, it can be too easy to spiritually bypass and think, Oh, that's the solution. And the solution really is that we've, we've really taken a look at control, which is my, my main issue that is to me, the foundation of soul recovery and where control was in our life and how we are applying that and how to release that so that we could honor each other. You start to see the one that's coming to mind for me is, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Mm. Can you remember, can you go back, which I think we're about to, to our wedding and our wedding vows, and remember how, how much you adore this person and strip away all this crap of of control and being right and arguing. And it's... It's not easy to do, and and yet talking about it, it's like it sounds like it could be easy, <laughs> so easy, you know. It's been much easier for us as we get used to it. It's almost like when we first quit drinking, you think there's no way, like I miss it, and it was almost like us in our relationship. It took us a while. It took us a year, probably, to really let go of those old patterns and the way that we communicated. And interacted to slowly change that. Yeah, you started by talking about drinking, and then then you you were talking about the actual behaviors, and I think that's the key is is um, it's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's totally like a muscle. Or working out, you know, when you stop working out for six months and you try to start up again, how painful that is. Yeah, I'm in that place right now. Yeah, maybe. And I'm not saying it's like that, but I'm saying that actually it pays off. You know, you 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 calm down. You start to listen. You when when a the tough stuff comes up, what you and I now do is we turn to ourselves first, and we check in, and we and you know if, if it's not my problem, there is no solution. That's another tool. And once you've done that, sort of as a first step, then then we can approach the other person and work it out. You know, right. but if you're not doing that, you're just you're just throwing darts at each other. We officiated a wedding recently for some friends, and it was 
really fun to to be involved with them on it and start asking them questions about who they were and what they wanted. And they really talked a lot about union and wanting to have their vows be about joining. And they even did a sand ceremony where they mixed their sand together as one. And I thought about Rich and I's ceremony where we poured the glasses, we poured each other's glasses of wine and drank from our own cups. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, there's there's a lot I, I yeah, I remember that. And there's a lot I, I don't remember. And got to read one of our vows because when Rachel went back and pulled them out in preparation for us to officiate a wedding, this wedding together, she read the vows and I was kind of astounded at the spirit, I, I did not remember there being such a spirit of keeping our individuality intact in these in these vows. Which is so fascinating because I think that's an example of metaphysics of how you don't realize how powerful your intentions yes. and your thoughts and your dreams are. That when you and I met, we we knew we were very different from each other, but we were just crazy mad in love with each other and that there was a knowing that we were these fierce independent people. And, and it is fascinating to think that we had those vows and then we had a tradition where we read the vows every five years. So I remember us doing them on our fifth and then we had a renewal ceremony on our 10th and then it got hard and I didn't want to go back and look at them. At our 20th, you wanted to do a renewal and I wouldn't do it. That was when we were in some hard times. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, a lot more time has gone on. We're getting we're getting up there. I'm getting up there in age. And still, I want to say again that coming back and seeing it, maybe what is it now, Ten, another 10 years, I was just kind of surprised at, at what it said. Yeah, or, this year would have been 27 years. This okay. is our 27th anniversary. Or I am just simply in a different place and mm. and you go back and you reread something and it has a brand new flavor. Yes. I, and I think that might be what's going on. Yes. I, I, I love that you said that because I think that's so true that we go back and look and really appreciate it a different way. So here's the vow that, you know, do you do you take each other? So I'll I'll read mine that I said, Rachel Ann Little Flower, do you take Richard Alexander as your husband? promising to tenderly care for him, respect his individuality, to cherish him as he is, to love him unconditionally as long as you live. Oi. Oi. Because <laughs> a- we got very off track from that. And I know you don't want to go back. We want to talk about what's working. And then but it says the perfect- drinking. It's perfect. Because then, then in, in the drinking from each other's cup, it says fill each other's cup, but drink from your own and we had all this intention and we just, our bus went off the rails. Totally. So if we're going to attempt to talk about what's working, what I have realized is we're just, we are now in a place where we're not competing. Mm-hmm. We competed. And when we competed, it was ugly. If if I may out you just for the sake of this conversation. My whole podcast is about outing me. So out me all you like. So Rachel was convinced that I was the only alcoholic. Oh yeah. For a while I was. I think you've probably said that many Uh times on your podcast. Yeah. That's, that's a form of competing. Who's, 
who's the alcoholic and I'm not, or who's the worst one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who's right. And especially we competed in parenting. We just, we just didn't see it the same. And we, like you already said, we knew we were very different people and we, we made these incredible vows, but when it came to, when the, the babies were easy, babies were easy, but as you know, they got to what, seven, eight, and then on from there, totally, totally had different views and visions of how to parent, how to discipline, what mattered, what didn't. And we were, we were really off. And we were off on communication because if I can, I can recognize in myself now where a lot of my stuff came from being raised an only child of a single mother of my mother's temperament. If you listen to the podcast that my mom and I did um, about a month ago about her raising me, she didn't have input from my dad. My dad was my dad, but he was like, he was the weekend once a month, go hang out with him. It's not like they quote unquote co-parented. And not only that, I didn't have any brothers or sisters. I didn't know I honestly didn't get it. And so but what I, you did didn't, get? I also didn't get how to share the parenting. Right. But what you did get and what you gave the most of more than me was the deep, deep, unconditional love. But I had the sibling rivalries, rivalries. I had the divorces. I had the multiple moms and dads. I had it all. So I definitely had experience on that side. And it comes back to the point I'm trying to make, and we're actually trying to talk about what what works. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to try to come back to what is works is that we are not competing. So if it helps anybody out there that's listening, it's I think it's a context and it's an environment. And if you can change the environment, maybe change the perspective, but not necessarily change the other person then that's a way to to improve. We could have made it better during those times if we had used so many of the tools that we've learned now, I think, because there was this major competition of not only the competition of how to raise kids, but I think there was a competition of time. I felt like I was at the bottom of your your importance list. I was I was developing a career and I was super into it and absolutely yes I was working abroad. Yeah. Yeah. So I it, not that we wanted to talk about this but just that what we recognize now and I think that everybody goes through your stuff. So it's important to give yourself grace and permission to be in the midst of what we all go through which is intensity especially when you're raising kids. I have we have a really good friend. Her kids are now 14 years old and it's starting to get really hard. And I said, oh, girl, you've just got to hold on to your britches for the next five years. It's just it's just hard. Your marriage is going to be hard. The kids are going to be hard. And you can continue to do this work and love yourself and love each other. And it won't be perfect. And you just have to keep going. But it pays off. But it pays off. That's what we're talking about right. here. That's why we're sitting here. It absolutely pays off. And Brene Brown calls that the wilderness. Mm. You know, we all go out into the wilderness and you just have to keep working through it until you come out. So one of the things that Rich and I were successful at and have continued to be successful at that we agreed on when we first got married was that we would never lie and we would never say 
things that were button pushers that were words that you couldn't take back. At least we would try, and we are pretty successful at that. We were pretty successful at that. And I always tell the story that it wasn't that they weren't in my head, but I didn't say them out loud. And that's the big difference. That's so huge. You know, when somebody just hauls off and they can't control themselves, and they go, and they're, F you, right. you know, can hold that back, you know? I think we've been really successful at that, but that wasn't really sort of our issue. But I wanted to say that was a foundation for us. And one of the things that then when the boys got to a certain age, and this was before we actually got to where we are now, we started to realize that we had to stop talking about them. And it, it was so difficult. So hard. There was nothing to talk about. There was nothing to talk about. We would just sit at the table. I remember that. Go so out well. to eat and have weren't, nothing. Weren't we? Tell me if I have the right memory. Eating dinner at Toscani, Toscana down here. Via Toscana. Via Toscana. It just. We were trying to go out on a date. We were trying to do this thing, and you, if it was only on video, it would it would have been hilarious because it's like. A few lines about the kids and like, oop, okay. And then it's silence. I just didn't know how to talk about anything else. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. it was it it that took took some time. And then when the boys moved to California, then we had that solid line, which was really unless you're saying something like, Oh, I miss them, or I heard from one of them, or something like that. It wasn't our business what was going on with them, and it wasn't ours to to try to process for them. And another one that we did that I really appreciated was we stopped bringing a lot of the work stuff home. We brought home the stuff that was processing like feelings that we're having in us that we wanted some feedback on, but not the heaviness of kind of like being frustrated in a, in a day and then just coming home and like just throwing up all of the the frustration and just being like, oh, I feel so much better while the other person is laying there with all of your frustration vomit all over them. Which is a an epidemic right today with the tribalism and everything. It's just railing and, and bitching about everything, you know. And the it is what it is. The world is what it is. And and that's how I'm feeling like right in the here and now. If if it's politics the last president the current president it doesn't matter the environment all of it it's it can if you let it get to you it can be very depressing and it can make you agitated and and have anxiety and if you just turn back to your yourself your heart and just put yourself at peace that's that's the thing that we can do not only to help cure the things around us but ourselves you know calm ourselves down and what I wanted to say, though, is the things you just mentioned in the last few sentences all comes back to your your favorite topic of control. Control. You've just you've just hit it with this control thing. We and quit watching the news, which was also very helpful because it was making us both really agitated. So to get back to the first thing I brought up between us is that we're not we're not competing. If we're talking about what's working, we're not competing. Sometimes you just realize or you can try to just realize there's no usefulness in competing with my partner or my son or my daughter or, or even the situation mm -hmm. because that even that ties back to control. Just, just let go of the reins enough 
to calm down and and center yourself into like a, a conscious space. And then the next thing I wanted to say about us is we have learned well, the fun part about this talk is when we went back to our vows, I I realized holy holy cow, we've we're, we've come full circle mm-hmm. and that it's a, a beautiful cycle that we went through that we started out saying this is what we want to do that that intention we want to we, love we, each other unconditionally accept each other as we are we went out into the wilderness after that but what i want to say is <clears throat> we've come back and i want to make a point to say that we are now individuals again and in our current situation we we have very rich art artistic lives each one of us and we are now without the bickering or the competing or or something that that is like children that is disruptive we can now really hold each other's individual space and really 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 support it love and support it and we only got there through through the trials and the challenges and 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 the and the sobriety so the path the path has to be examined but the the reward is is there it comes we've always respected each other's individuality and almost to a fault there was a period of time where we were so on our own paths doing our own thing that there wasn't any union in it yeah that and, can happen <laughs> and so i think what's interesting is that as we've come back together we've said before covid was actually a real blessing to us because the boys moved to california right when COVID hit. And so it was just the two of us and our precious dog that we'd had for 15 years passed away. And so here we were kind of locked up in the house together. And the first little bit of it was a little quiet because we had made this agreement to not talk about the kids. And that individuality that we'd had and these artistic things that we'd had, we started to ask each other more questions about it. Because what it had been before was kind of like, you go do your thing, I'll go do my thing. And there wasn't a lot of intersect. And so I feel like one of the things that's really worked is not a desire to control what that other person's doing, but a genuine curiosity of what those things are, which really just means much more active listening. I think that's one of the things that's really been a real success for us is being better listeners. And I just realized as you were saying that in some situations, there's a lack of getting something that you need from the other person. So simultaneously with working on the curiosity of getting to know what the other person is up to and feeling, there was also simultaneously a... um, a lessening, lessening of needy, the neediness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, both things improve as you as you work on that. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying because I think when you're disconnected, the desire to get what you need from that other person comes in unhealthy ways. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. So so it's like you're you're grabbing and you're angry or you're frustrated that you're not getting attention or that they're doing something when you had other plans. And and now I think there's more of a a gentleness with each other and a you know we do a lot more checking in 
with each other, not in the, where are you and what are you doing, but more of a respect of here's what's happening with my time, what's happening with your time, how is that going to connect to with each other? Yeah. And that feels a lot better. And I, I don't know, it just popped into my head that I should say alongside all of this that here I am going to reference the past, but had a hard time in the past. But when we were separated, I was told by a therapist that I was a very, that I was pissed off. I was he called angry. you an angry motherfucker. Ooh. Isn't yep. that what he said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Something just stopped me in my tracks. I literally froze because I have never, ever related to that description. You know, I, I had a fabulous childhood, even though I've learned, like, if, if somebody could hypnotize me, I didn't realize that there was a lot of chaos in, in my childhood mm-hmm. that's under the surface. But I had a, I had a great childhood and... I just never thought of myself as an angry person, but the truth is I had, I had gotten there. I had become that. And that's alcoholism and, and the denial that we have in our lives of control. Well, that's what I'm getting at is I just wanted to kind of pop back for a second and say that, uh, luckily that hit me like a Mack truck and I realized, oh, okay, I thought I was working on this, but I got to work on this a little better or harder or deeper. And in the end, um, sometimes there just wasn't any solution. What I'm trying to say is in the end, I just, I just got quieter. I just straight up, if this, if me sitting here talking to you and trying to talk about what works so that it can help other people, that just, I just have to say that I, I didn't think I was blustering and angry and, and yelling and, and I, I, you know, I'm cer- certainly did some of that, but I didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> and even so it just made, it just changed my life to quiet down. I love that you're saying that because that's what I think I've done too. Uh, yeah. I think you have. Is that I, I, one of the things that I was thinking when I was originally thinking this topic I think that we both have gotten so much better at not thinking that we have to chime in for every single thing or have to have a rebut or that we have something, a better way to do it or, and in not saying it, I think we've stopped thinking it. So yeah, not only it's are that we, muscle. It's, it's the muscle. So it's not only are we quieter and in the beginning, you kind of have to just zip it. And sometimes you're shoving down that control muscle. Yeah. But as time's gone on, I find myself so much more expansive in, in almost everything. And silly examples would be if you're leaving for work and instead of my thinking that it's my job to make sure that you have your lunch and your checkbook and your, you know, whatever (laughs) it is that I think that you're supposed to have, we just are pleasant with each other and let each other go about our morning. And, and if you need something, let me know you need something, but I'm not, I'm not involved in mentally and thinking that it's my job to make sure you have everything that you need. I trust that you have everything that you need and I'm zip it about 
why are you back in the house for a fifth time? You know, it's like, because you've got stuff to do. Clearly you've got a reason to come back into the house. And in that, in that you're choosing to empower somebody, not control them or the scenario. And what I want to say is what Thich Nhat Hanh talks about, which is deep listening. So once you quiet down, then there's this technique to not chime in, like you said. Mm-hmm. That if you, tr- I, I challenge people out there who are listening, try to deeply listen to this other person, whatever the situation is, for 10 minutes, even five minutes, even one minute. That, you know, in, in, in this day and age, everybody wants to get in there and say what they think. And it's, it's a challenging thing to do. And then if you, if you practice, it gets better and better. I think that we just, are so much better at listening to each other, mm-hmm. simply stated. And and then through the listening, we're we're more deeply supportive of each other. And that's that's deepening our love for each other. I love that. Considering that we used to bicker at each other regularly, the few times that we've had little blips in that is when we're not actively listening to each other that we're bypassing that skill that we have been working really hard on. The last time I got, I don't get mad at Rachel very often at all, but it happened recently. I got all upset when I was interrupted. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so funny because you, we each think when the other person's interrupting that if you're interrupting them, you're sure that you have a good reason to, and the other person feels like, they're being cut off and and vice versa. Just for fun, if anybody out there can relate, it's always when I'm coming like I'm coming down the hill and I'm just I'm almost to the point. I've got like three more words <laughs> to like finish my point in a little bow and she bang right there. And I'm like, I was almost to my point, you know? That's that's hysterical. It's funny. <laughs> and I, I totally own it. And it's not just with, with Rich, but I have observed myself that I, I think that I can help someone get to the point faster. And what I realize in that is that I'm not listening. I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking about what they need, how I could solve the problem, how I could help them get to the point faster. And the truth is that... I'm just supposed to be holding space. I'm just supposed to be listening. This is why you're good at what you're doing. This is why you're Rev Rachel, because you don't learn and teach by being perfect. I am not perfect, but I'm learning and so much happier and feel so much more contented. I think one of the other things that works really well for us is that we don't been pretty good at this in sort of general, but even more really honoring each other's time and what we choose to do with our time. And that it it is not for me to be the master of your time and to really respect what each other is doing in terms of what fulfills us. And then come together and have these specific joint ventures (laughs) that we do together that are kind of like our time but that there's this real awareness that if I'm working on Recover Your Soul or you're practicing music or working on the house or I'm doing in the art studio painting or, you know, doing something that instead of thinking, well, 
he could be working on the deck right now. I, why am I judging your time? You go into that control button again. That control button. I'm letting go of the control button. Yeah. If I really, if I have a need, we've gotten better at saying, when you don't work, I'm going to give the deck ex- example. It's finished now, but when you don't work on the deck, I feel like I can't use my backyard and I need that space to be able to feel like I can have my contemplative time. And that's a lot easier for you to say, oh, that's a priority to me too. Let me get on it versus me complaining and bitching about how you are choosing. There's a topic inside of that topic, mm-hmm. I think, maybe in that we've been a fast food society for quite a long time now. But I think it's even worse uh, if you look around at the way people drive. And I don't know about anybody else out there, but people love to drive really fast and all that matters is where they're going and that they get there really fast. So they, they're weaving and they're ripping around the right-hand side before you can even pull over. And I just think that's part of it inside of what you just said, like me finishing this deck, things take time. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming more and more rare to to be have the ability or even the wherewithal to... It's not that you close out and put, you know, horse blinders on, but in a way to just give yourself the gift of focusing on a task and the time to get it done again for the reward in the end. And I have a really tough time with that because I'm a contractor and I'm building things right and left for everybody else. And we, we tend to suffer here. Our, our projects take 15 times longer. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that's working is the releasing of control that will I really be happier and will my, my well-being really be that much different if there's trim on a particular door? The truth is, no, it won't. But there, that perfection, that need for control, the need for everything to be just right – wants that that's what i'm getting at i know because i have a lot of clients we we all think that life has to be just right just and that's the control thing and maybe you know housewives at home my husband has to finish that project and da, 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 da. but consider this consider the analogy to life when you when you have a problem give you give it the time to get corrected and in the meantime adjust adjust your perspective adjust instead of you being able to go into your favorite backyard you went into your front yard Mm -hmm. and it took on new beautiful meaning and you were able to enjoy that for a while while the backyard got fixed that's that's a great way to approach life and back to us you know things that work in our relationship is you're going to run up against ooh, you know something and the ability to not just let it slide off your back you deal with it but to to adjust and i think i hope i'm making sense here in that adjustment that's the that's the creating space that's the quieting down that's the listening that's not controlling the situation but allowing an alternative path to happen until until you, you can get back on the main path if that's the case yeah and i keep you know continuing to keep the focus on myself in those situations and i think i think we've really learned to not sweat the small stuff even though we both work, we have a pretty traditional um, setup, which is just always sort of the been the way that it is. 
I do most of the cooking and cleaning. And But one of the things that I love is it's not expected. It's not like we have these roles. It's more like we, we kind of dance in the roles. And then one of the gifts that I love that we give ourselves is getting our house cleaned so that it doesn't come down to like, who's the one that has to scrub the toilets? You know, you think, is that hundred dollars really can, can't you find that in your budget somewhere for your marriage to well, let that part go? This is so true. We're kind of traditional. Rachel is incredible to me as a wife and a housewife. And I have worked really, really, really hard for many, many, many years. And so I finally came to her and said, how about if I just pay for a housekeeper and that just fixed everything. It fixed everything. <laughs> it's the best. And, and, but I, what I love is that I feel like there isn't this, you know, when's my dinner going to be ready expectations. We, we cooked a lot more in COVID when we were in lockdown, but sometimes there's food, sometimes there's not. You, it's this awareness of each other's time and what we're doing and having respect for each other and that it has a freedom to want to do more for each other rather than an obligation. I think we might be sounding a little utopian here and, you know, like it's, it, it's sounding like we have the perfect life. But what I want to point out is I'm thinking about people who are listening to us mm -hmm. right now. I really am. And I think it's the difference between expectation and acceptance. And it's not as black and white as that. It's not, it's not clean. But that's that's a thought, and if we're talking about what works for us, there's a little less expectation. A lot less expectation. Thank you. I'm kind of mm -hmm. going in easy here, which translates to just love and respect of the other person, and and there's a lot more acceptance, which I want to credit Rachel for teaching me. I had to teach her. I actually don't think I ever got to teach her what disciplining kids is really like. <laughs> <laughs> but she taught me uh, about deep love and unconditional love and acceptance. I think that's where I'm, you know, you've we're helped all, me You know, improve. the truth is we're all these kooky people with our weird personalities and our desires and our needs and how we walk the earth and what we came in with. And, and we feel like everybody else is supposed to fill us up. And the reality is that we're walking next to each other and that if you let go of the need that somebody else is supposed to fill the void, then you fill your own void with your love for yourself, your connection with higher power, and then that need for your mate to be the one that is giving you everything that you thought that you needed lessens. And when I let that go... I'm, I feel badly about it now because I had such, such a, such a part of me that really wanted it to be different and wanted it, you to be different. Yeah. And when I look now and I think, oh, I missed all those years of not seeing you and yet who you are today and who I am today are different people than we were even two or three years ago. So you can't go back and say, I wished I had done that because the truth is that's where we were at when we were there. Yeah. Life's not perfect. No. It just it stuff happens. And the only thing you can uh, count on guaranteed is change. So maybe another thing that works is to 
I've already, I think I've already said it is to just realize stuff's going to happen and that too shall pass. I mean, I have a, I have, I have a bigger trust in that now than, than I used to. I used to just be reactive and think I had to control it in that moment and fix it in that moment. And thank you for saying, for, you know, taking responsibility because there was a very difficult period in my life where I, I, I didn't understand why you didn't like me anymore. Hmm. I don't think I liked me then. Yeah. I'm just going to put it that way because that's how it comes out. That's yeah. how it felt. I didn't like and, my life. You know, the, the your listeners, you know, we talk about not don't go back to the past and don't talk about the past. And I always have to reference. Don't, do, don't dwell in the past. Don't dwell. I always have to reference it, though, because um, some, in, in, in the most positive way, you can see where you were and where you've come and then the difference and talk about the things that work like we are. I think one of the other things that I think about is, you know, you have these four quarters of your life. You know, you have your first 20, you have your first 20 years where you're mostly at home and you're figuring yourself out and you're creating a personality and your identity and you have all of the stuff your parents do great and all the stuff your parents don't do well in school and, you know, social. And then your 20 to 40s, you're establishing your life and gathering a whole bunch of stuff and raising kids and, and having kind of a career and all the control <laughs> starts. And then you have 40 to 60 and 40 to 60 are these years that are really about um, letting go of a lot of those identities and having some depth of awareness. And for you and I to be in our early fifties, well, I'm in my early fifties. Hey, I, I qualify. I'm not okay. 55 yet. All right. So we're in our early fifties. I think I have this real keen awareness that I thought that life would last forever and I'm running out of time and I don't want to waste it. And I don't want to waste it being bitter and I don't want to waste it being angry and I don't want to waste it thinking that I have to have it my way. I want to be happy and being happy means it doesn't, there's, I don't even consider who's right or wrong because it's off the table. And it's okay to be wrong. Again, in this day and age, we, we, nobody wants to be caught being wrong ever. It's kind of a human thing, but it's also okay to be wrong. It's like Bodhi was talking about sin missing the mark. I, I'm always so fascinated when I go through one of those experiences that I continue to go through on a very regular basis of real deep self-reflection and that even when you think that you're on track, you're off track. And we had that great visit with the boys and we had that great podcast. And the truth was it rattled us a little bit and we had to get back because it was easy to fall back into those old patterns. And for the week after they were gone, we had to recalibrate and kind of remember to come back to this self that's sitting here today and not the parents that are controlling the environment of our family. Well, and that's, I think that's where, where I started talking about was, um, was the context or the environment in which you're struggling. I, I couldn't wait to, it was, it was very new to be anxiously awaiting the visit of our grown sons from California to visit us for a few days. And it was fantastic. And yet it had an undertone. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was, and, and I, I was 
I recalibrating afterwards. That's perfect mm-hmm. explanation. So again, s- some things just are. They just are. There. It is what it is. And um, you can. I just think it was. It was quite the experience to be feeling so good and and like, oh, now we can handle it. And then you can find yourself, ooh, feeling those old feelings. It's 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 it can take you by surprise. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to say. Very human. Yeah. I want to kind of close with the metaphysics of vibration and energy, which is that I'm very aware of the fact that if I'm coming from an open, kind, receptive, non-judgmental, non-expectation place that you also come from that place that I, so often it's that I want them to change. Well, you can't change them, but you can change yourself. And in changing yourself, you create a environment that is open to the same frequency, the same environment, the same compassion that you're giving out and you receive it. And so I think part of what I see in our life is that we've done a lot of reflective, deep, deep, deep work, and that we're very aware of the fact that how our energy is, is affecting everybody Everything. else. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, so it's the law of attraction, which I just talked about as well, which is that what you think and feel and believe and that you're sending out is coming back. And so this sort of gentleness that we have now that is new and wonderful and, and is creating a life and a marriage that is beyond my wildest dreams of connection and happiness is so many layers it has so many layers, but it really starts for me with me being conscious of myself and how I'm showing up. And I have a lot less attention on how you're showing up, much more attention on how I'm showing up. Yeah. And that, that's the message I'm getting here is that when agitated, it's said in, by many people in many ways, just pause, just, just pause and bring it back to how you, how you, to yourself and then and then you show up in a new way that brings on that same energy and that that return and we spend a lot more time i think also really recognizing what the other person is doing well and giving each other credit for that instead of bitching about the stuff that's not happening you know <laughs> so it i i think that i have a a much better gratitude practice of being grateful for for the things that are working and then just letting everything else go because I'd much rather spend the energy on the things that are working instead of being irritated by the nitpicky little things that could make us each crazy. And coming back to control, I think that the letting go is is a synchronistic activity with the with letting go of you you let go of the little things and that helps you let go of control mm-hmm. of the big picture. Yep. Thanks for sitting here with me this evening on a on a beautiful Colorado fall day. This is, it's Friday. It's a TGIF. We're sitting on our chairs. Yes, I'm my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me. And I just, again, say thank you for 
taking the time to be with Recover Your Soul and with me and, and with Rich and being part of this soul recovery journey together. Until next time, namaste. Namaste. It really is incredible to sit down with Rich and have these kinds of conversations and be in such a different place than we were in our marriage before. I just want to say that there's hope, that there's always hope that when you know that you love somebody deeply, when you know that your foundation is that incredible love that you had in the beginning, to not lose hope that with work, with your own work, it's amazing how it turns around and ends up reflecting back on that other person. And I just have such gratitude that we made it through, that Rich didn't give up when I left all those years ago, and that he insisted that we try again. And so I wanted to finish this episode with a song that I wrote for him in the middle of COVID, which is so interesting because I've written a lot of songs, but I wasn't able to write a song about him yet. And this is a song I wrote called Falling For You. One, two, three. When we met, I was just a child. Thought I was so grown up, had some time. I was looking for a good, strong man You had it all And we made a plan And I, I fell for Soon the kids did too Mortgage and bills Hard work was all we knew So many good days But there were hard ones too There was a time said I was through but you said I love you but you said I love you now the days of raising boys have
Thank you for listening. I hope this episode offered you some tools and guidance and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you are ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions with some support. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and there you can find out more about me, book your coaching or spiritual counseling session, subscribe to receive our email updates, listen to some of my music. I have some originals and I've had various bands over the years. You can also read the blog that includes stories and insights from the Recover Your Soul community. I want to thank you for supporting the production of this podcast. Every single donation makes such a big difference and you can donate on the homepage of the website. Also by following, subscribing, reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the recover your soul message. I hope that you'll follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group and become part of our transformation community. Share who you are, share where you're from, share your story. Let's all connect. Until next time, namaste. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.